Hello, it's Nick from Winter of Discontent Podcast here, wishing all of my podcast listeners, the WAD fans as I like to call you, a very Merry Christmas and a successful 2022. I honestly wouldn't have had such a wonderful year without you all. We started this series on the 1st of January 2021 and when I got my first ever download, I took a screenshot of it. So proud was I that someone else was listening. A year later, as I write these words, I'm looking at my total plays so far and they number 41,200 with an estimated regular audience of 1,300 people. We've formed a community around the world, guys. We share a listening experience with people from Ireland, Sweden, Japan, Romania, Brazil, Guatemala, Singapore, Qatar, Namibia, Vietnam, Bulgaria and dozens more countries, all sharing their love for the Beatles and a first for more and greater detail. That's what I've aimed to deliver, as close as I can get, to the best interpretation of the events of January 1969. Peter Jackson's Get Back documentary is an incredible achievement and fairly succinctly tells the story of those sessions. There was a few weeks when I thought that awesome series might finally satiate people's thirst for knowledge. But if anything, it's made us all desire even greater investigation and hopefully you'll all stick with me as we dive ever deeper into the Nagra tapes for the hidden gems that they still hold. I got into a habit early on of recommending podcasts and other great sources that have either inspired the format of our show or have been a useful source of information. I thought I'd use this little mini-sode to list them all again for anyone looking to kill time over the holidays. Firstly, all credit goes to the two definitive works on the Get Back Sessions, Doug Salpy's book Drugs, Divorce and a Slipping Image, available as a download, and Dan Rifkin's blog called They May Be Parted. These are both excellent sources of information if you're still desiring to know everything. In order of appearance, here are the other podcasts I've recommended over the year. Producing the Beatles, hosted by Jason Krupper. Sail On, the Beach Boys podcast. Nothing Is Real, hosted by Stephen Cockroft and Jason Carty. Another Kind of Mind, a different kind of Beatles podcast. The History of the World in 100 Objects, available on BBC Sounds. Murder Mile, probably the best true crime podcast. Yesterday and Today, an amazing sound collage. One Sweet Dream from the Women Who Brought You Another Kind of Mind. You Must Remember This, Tales from Hollywood's Golden Age. Screw It, We're Just Going to Talk About the Beatles. Needs no introduction. I guess that's why they call it the Elton John Podcast Podcast. Strong Songs, presented by Kirk Hamilton. Pods Like Us, who very kindly had me on as a guest. Track by Track, a fun review show. The Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll, really fascinating stuff. And also some books, Sound Man by Glyn Johns. Lenonology by Chip Maddinger. Finding Fretless, the story of the Bartell fretless guitar. Magical Mystery Tours by Tony Bramwell. Who's the Redhead on the Roof by Kevin Harrington. And there was a film, Never Let Go, starring Peter Sellers. And finally, the YouTube channel, Pop Goes the 60s.
When I started this podcast, the primary purpose was to document my exploration into the Nagra tapes because I'd had the idea of writing a book about Paul's missing 61 Hofner base. As we've discussed before, like many, I'd come to believe that sometime after the 3rd of January at Twickenham, Paul's base was stolen. Peter Jackson's Get Back explodes that myth, showing the base behind Paul during sessions at Apple Studios. Further discussion on the Facebook groups, Hofner Bass Players and the Paul McCartney Rickenbacker 4001 tribute page has given me a greater depth of understanding about where and when the Hofner may have gone missing. And so, our Christmas feature presentation is called A Tale of Two Basses. We delved into the history of Paul's 1961 Hofner Bass earlier in the series, Early on we had discovered that Paul's main Beatle bass, the 1963 Hofner, the one he still plays today, had been inexplicably strung for a right-handed player and couldn't be used until the 6th of January. Therefore, for the first two days of rehearsals, Paul had to revert to that 1961 violin bass. The same one he had used to mime to the backing track of Revolution the previous year. It was thought that this chain of events, having to swap bases early on, might have led to some confusion, perhaps leading to one of the instruments becoming misplaced. We now of course know better. In the Get Back documentary, propped precariously against the chair, is that 1961 base. I speculated that perhaps the Apple Studio was potentially a more likely place for the base to go missing. But the plot thickens. Whilst trying to research the other mystery bass pictured at these sessions, an Epiphone Rivoli, I came across a photograph of the Beatles' equipment in storage at EMI Studios Abbey Road, purported to be from April of 1969. The Rivoli bass is there alongside Ringo's Hollywood drum kit, and beneath it, neatly stacked together, are two Hofner bass guitar cases. It's reasonable to assume that both contain their respective instruments. The photograph is one of many taken by members of St. Louis band, the Erevons, who were recording at EMI. Their leader and guitarist Tom Hartman was just 17 at the time, and he relates that they were directed to store their equipment in a storeroom that had at one time been a control room for Studio 3. As such, it had a window overlooking the studio floor, and from there the band were able to watch unnoticed as the Beatles recorded the George Harrison song, Old Brown Shoe. But that wasn't all they found in that room. One night while rummaging among our equipment, Mike, our drummer, said, I think you should come here. We found ourselves standing over a drum case that had Ringo Starr stenciled on the outside. We found John's Rickenbacker 12-string and George's Revolution Les Paul. They nervously took pictures of the iconic Beatles' drop-T drumskin, alongside their own Erevon's triangle logo. Hartman posed with John's guitar and managed to capture that crucial piece of evidence. As Hartman puts it, An Epiphone bass on top of a half case. So, if not stolen at Twickenham or Apple, when and where did the 1961 Hofner disappear? Well, here sadly the trail goes cold, but I still hold out hope that we can find the answer. The other bass we see Paul play in the Get Back documentary is his Rickenbacker 4001S. As Paul attempts to play it, we see that one of the strings keeps popping out of the slot in what's known as the nut. 
This is basically the guide through which the strings pass on their way to the tuning pegs. It would appear that the black nylon tape wound strings are too thick to fit in these slots. Though Paul explains to George Martin that the nut has been cut for a right-handed instrument and that's what's causing the problem. This seems unlikely that an instrument that he's been playing since 1965 should suddenly develop this problem. Given the context that Paul had also stated his 1963 Hofner was right-handed on the first day of rehearsals, as I mentioned earlier, and that too was fitted with black nylon-covered strings, could it be that saying they're right-handed is Paul's shorthand for explaining issues with his basses? The Rickenbacker appears at the end of the documentary during the credit sequence, propped up behind Paul while they perform Two of Us. The eagle-eyed among you will note that in the earliest exchange, Paul's bass still had its psychedelic silver painted finish, but has now been stripped back to bare wood. In the Paul McCartney Rickenbacker tribute page, a poster named Giovanni Elmer has made a timeline from evidence in the Get Back documentary and book. It goes as follows. January 25th, Paul takes the Rickenbacker home with him, still in its psychedelic form. January 28th, the case for the Rickenbacker is seen behind Billy Preston. January 30th, the same case is seen on the rooftop. January 31st, the newly sanded Rickenbacker is seen in the background of the two of us performance. From this he is deduced that on Monday the 27th of January, Paul took the bass to get sanded. The bass was absent on Sunday the 26th and wasn't seen again until Tuesday the 28th. This is backed up somewhat by Mal Evans' column in Beatles Monthly. Here's the Sheila sign that the psychedelic Sgt. Pepper era is well and truly ended. Paul recently took his Rickenbacker bass to an LB craftsman in the Soho backstreet to have the two-year-old coat of psychedelic painting removed. Paul chatted to the old man throughout the hour it took to strip off the bright colours and smooth the guitar's woodwork to a plain unpainted finish. So there you have it. Just when I think I've uncovered new insights, even more detail emerges. We'll be back for one more episode in 2021 on New Year's Eve. In the meantime, I hope you all have a very happy Christmas. Don't forget to subscribe and follow me on the social media accounts, including Twitter, and leave a review if you like. If you have the Anchor app, you can even leave an audio comment, like this one that I'll leave you with now. Bye for now. Hey, Nick, this is Brian. Uber driver. I left a message. I left a review on the Apple podcast review site. This podcast is incredible. I'm spreading the word. I'm trying to get all my friends to listen to it. I think that you could easily market this in the wake of the get back documentary, but unbelievable work. I am so excited about going through this and I just wanted to give you encouragement. All right. Later. <laughs>